Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Hello, this is the Course Call Conference Operator. Welcome to Vesema Network's fourth quarter and year-end fiscal 2020 results conference call and webcast. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. Analysts and institutional investors who wish to join the question queue, simply press star and one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Should anyone need assistance during the conference call, they may signal an operator by pressing star and zero on their telephone. Presenting today on behalf of Vesema Networks are Sumit Kumar, President and CEO, and Dale Booth, Chief Financial Officer. Today's call will begin with the executive commentary on Vestima's financial and operational performance for the fourth quarter and year-end fiscal 2020 results. Lastly, the call will finish with a question and answer period for analysts and institutional investors. The press release announcing the company's fourth quarter and year-end fiscal 2020 results, as well as detailed supplemental investor information, are posted on Vesema's website at www.vesema.com under the Investor Relations heading. The highlights provided in this call should be understood in conjunction with the company's audited annual consolidated financial statements and accompanying notes for the year ended June 30th, 2020. Certain statements in this conference call and webcast may constitute forward-looking statements within the meaning of applicable securities laws. All statements other than statements of historical fact are forward-looking statements. These statements include but are not limited to statements regarding management's intentions, beliefs, or current expectations with respect to market and general economic conditions, future sales and revenue expectations, future costs, and operating performance. These statements are not guarantees of future performance and involve risks and uncertainties that are difficult to predict and or are beyond our control. A number of important factors could cause actual outcomes and results to differ materially from those expressed in these forward-looking statements. These factors include but are not limited to the current significant general economic uncertainty and credit and financial market volatility, including the impact of COVID-19 and the distinctive characteristics of Vesima's operations and industry and customer demand that may have a material impact on or constitute risk factors in respect to Vesima's future financial performance as set forth under the heading risk factors in the company's annual information form dated September 24th, 2020, a copy of which is available at www.cedar.com. In addition, although the forward-looking statements in these earnings calls are based on what management believes are reasonable assumptions, such assumptions may prove to be incorrect. Consequently, attendees should not place undue reliance on such forward-looking statements. 
In addition, these forward-looking statements relate to the date on which they are made. BESIMA disclaims any intention or obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise, except as required by law. At this time, I would like to turn the conference over to Mr. Kumar to proceed with his remarks. Please go ahead. Good morning and welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us. Fiscal 2020 was an exceptional year for VESIMA. We achieved rapid momentum and passed a number of major milestones with our next generation DAA and IPTV products. Our financial performance began to soar and we set the stage for meaningful growth in fiscal 2021. We'll tell you more about all of this on today's call. I'll start with an overview of our fiscal 2020 results and highlights. Dale will provide a review of our fourth quarter financial results, and then I'll return to talk about what we see going forward. I wanna to begin today by pointing out that much of what we accomplished in fiscal 2020 was achieved against the backdrop of the COVID-19 pandemic. Thinking back to March, our teams had to adapt virtually overnight to major changes in how and where we work and the ways we interact with our customers and suppliers. And we did this in the midst of escalating demand from our cable, telco, and broadcaster customers, who were themselves responding to a worldwide surge in demand for data and content. Our teams didn't miss a beat. We continued to over-deliver in meeting our customers' needs, advancing our new technologies, and to strengthen our results. I want to thank each and every member of our team for their contributions to what was truly a pivotal year for VESIMA. Financially, we achieved full year revenues of $96.4 million. This was our best top line performance in four years and up 13.5% from fiscal 2019. And this was highly profitable growth, consistent with VESIMA's MO. We grew full year gross profit to $52.3 million on a combination of higher sales and slightly stronger gross margin of 54%. We also more than doubled adjusted EBITDA to $18.3 million. Once again, Vestima produced simply excellent financial performance in fiscal 2020. We also ended the year in a strong financial position with working capital $55.3 million and a solid cash balance of $34.5 million. That's a significant achievement when you consider the heavy investments we've made into next generation technologies in recent years. Most importantly, Vesima generated value for our shareholders. Our share price grew from 9 to 10.45 over the fiscal year and has recently moved to new highs in the mid-12s and higher this morning. And through fiscal 2020, we've returned a cumulative 29.9 million to shareholders through our regular dividends. $0.22 cents per share was paid as regular dividends for the year. Our strong fiscal 2020 performance was led by our content delivery and storage segment. From the outset, we anticipated 20% or better revenue growth from this part of our business in fiscal 2020, reflecting the growing adoption of IPTV and VESIMA's ability to capture corresponding customer wins. We significantly exceeded that target. Content delivery and storage sales increased 32% year-over-year to $55.2 million as we built business with existing customers and continued to attract many new ones. I'm delighted and not surprised to report that we 
secured 13 new IPTV customers during the year, including three in the fourth quarter. Our MediaScale-X solutions are now, are now in use by over 100 cable companies, telcos, and broadcasters worldwide, representing a combined operator footprint of over 132 million sub subscribers. This translates into a vast base for the future, as many of these customers are just starting their migration to IPTV, and we expect their needs will grow over time. Our CDS segment also made major inroads into markets outside of North America. Driven by our growing footprint in the Latin America and Caribbean regions, we increased our international revenues by 37% year over year. And subsequent to the year end, we announced a new $12 million agreement with one of our Tier 1 customers in the Asia-Pacific region. Our geographic diversification and global scope are continuing to grow. I should also mention that we saw a greater proportion of our CDS revenue coming from service revenues in fiscal 2020. With a large number of new deployments this past year, the high-value services provided by our CDS team shined. As we look to continue growing the CDS segment, we're expecting services to play an increasingly important role, and services, as you know, generate high-margin, stable sales for all parts of our business. Turning to our video and broadband solutions segment, I'm ecstatic to report that we achieved the critical objective to capture the start of the DAA market with our next-generation Entra products in fiscal 2020. As most of you know, our strategy to lead the cable industry towards a network evolution to DAA was put in motion about seven years ago. This is a once-in-a-lifetime technology transition that has involved the best of innovation, significant investment, and a great deal of tenacity. So it was extremely rewarding to see Vesema's momentum building. We came into the year having secured our first master purchase agreement for the Entra Remote Pi access node and Remote Pi monitor. In first quarter earnings, we highlighted the launch of the Interactive Video Controller and EN8124 Double Density Remote Pi node, and received our first customer order for the Entra Video Qual Manager VQM, also newly released in the year. We broke the million-dollar milestone in the second quarter with Entra sales of $1.1 million as cable operators began purchasing our DAA platforms and products. And by the fourth quarter, we had secured our first major Tier 1 DAA customer, where we initiated product deployments of our industry-leading multi-core interoperable Entra Remote Phi nodes. And we've grown our quarterly Entra revenues in Q4 to $2.1 million. In total, we achieved Entra family sales of $5.3 million in fiscal 2020. That's a material result, and it's just the very beginning of the DAA potential we see ahead of us. Subsequent to year-end, we doubled down and changed the game when it comes to Vesma in the DAA market. We acquired Nokia's portfolio of industry-leading cable access solutions, putting together the world's most advanced range of DAA technology just as the market is kicking off. The, the transaction was relatively modest in terms of use of our cash, but it's huge in terms of benefits, short and long-term. We immediately expanded our portfolio with market-ready DAA products, including 10-gig EPON, fiber-to-the-home capabilities, and DOCSIS remote MACFI solutions, as well as the Entra Access Controller. Those are all critical pieces of the cable DAA ecosystem, and we've been planning to add them to the Entra portfolio either way. 
In fact, we'd already begun to in-house development of the Mac 5. Now with the acquisition, we decisively accelerated our timeline. We have 10 gig EPON and MacFi in our hands right now, market ready and already shipping. In the process, we've catapulted Vesima to the forefront of the distributed access architecture market. By consolidating the industry's leading DAA products, technologies, and pioneering teams, Vesima is now the prime holder of DAA technology in the industry. We can provide our customers with unmatched choice to select the access architecture that's right for them, and we've expanded our addressable market manyfold. Quite simply, as we said, this is a game changer that dramatically accelerates Vesima's momentum in the vast new DAA market. We think of it as adding jet fuel to an already surging strategy that we've had organically. Now, looking at other contributors to our fiscal 2020 performance, we saw a significant uptake of Terrace Qualm during the year as our lead Tier 1 customer continued to expand its hospitality footprint while preparing at the same time for migration to the next generation Terrace IQ platform. This helped to offset the expected tail off in demand for some of our other legacy products, most notably the TC600 and TC600E. And in our telematics segment, <clears throat> We continued the fleet-wide rollout with the City of Saskatoon, which includes monitoring about 1,000 municipal vehicles and movable assets. We've now completed about 75% of that rollout. We also continue to build out the new market for our Nero GPS asset tracking products. I'm pleased to report we added 21 new customers in fiscal 2020, with four coming in during the fourth quarter, and all including both assets and fleet. Overall, it was an excellent year for Vesma under any circumstances and truly remarkable uh, as a year in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. And at this point, I'll ask Dale to provide more detail on our fourth quarter performance. Thanks, Dale. Thank you, Sumit. For the purposes of this call, we assume that everyone has seen the news release and financial statements for the fiscal 2020 full year and fourth quarter that are posted on Vesima's website. I will present the relevant numbers and discussions around overall results, market segments, operational expenses, and the balance sheet. Please note that the fiscal 2020 results includes a full year contribution from our acquisition of content agent. This business is part of the content delivery and storage segment. We also adopted IFRS 16 leases on July 1, 2019. The net impact to the income statement as a result of the adoption of IFRS 16 was insignificant. The adoption of IFRS 16 does not have an impact on cash flows. Starting with consolidated sales, for the three months ended June 30, 2020, we generated sales of $26.1 million an increase of 26% from the 20.7 million during the same period last year, and an increase of 4% from the 25.1 million last quarter. The increase in sales year over year was due to increased sales from both our video and broadband solution segment and our content delivery and storage segment. Within the video and broadband solution segment, we generated fourth quarter sales of 10.5 million, this was up 52% from the 6.9 million a year ago and up 9% from the 9.6 million in Q3 of this year. 
Further deployments of our new Entra DAA products contributed fourth quarter revenue of 2.1 million, a 255% increase from the 0.6 million in sales a year ago, and up 17% from the 1.8 million in the third quarter of this year. As a lead tier one customer began deployments of the Entra Remote Fi node in Q4. In our Terrace family of products, Sales decreased slightly to 4 million in the fourth quarter from the 4.1 million in Q3 and Q4 of last year. Q3 last quarter and Q4 of last year. Fourth quarter sales of our Terrace Quam products increased 98% to 3.3 million from 1.7 million in the same period last year, but was on par with revenues in Q3 of fiscal 20. While we anticipate continued ordering activity for TerrisQuam, we believe the deployment of the current generation platform is nearing saturation, and we are working with customers on the next generation TerrisIQ platform. In the content delivery and storage segment, revenues were still strong at 14.3 million for the fourth quarter, a slight 1% increase from Q3 but up 14% from the 12.5 million we did in Q4 of last year. The increase in content delivery and storage segment sales reflects the expansion of our customer base and strong demand for IPTV solutions. In our telematics segment, we generated 1.3 million in sales for Q4, on par with the 1.3 million last quarter and in Q4 of last year. Gross margin in the fourth quarter was 49%, in line with our expectations and on par with Q4 last year, but down from 52% in Q3. In the video and broadband solutions segment, gross margin decreased to 39% in Q4, as compared to 45% in Q4 of fiscal 19 and 47% last quarter. The changes reflected the different product mixes in each period, as well as one-time intra product costs incurred in the fourth quarter of fiscal 2020. Gross margin in the content delivery and storage segment held steady at 54% in Q4, as it did in Q3 of fiscal 2020, but was an increase from the 50% in Q4 of last year. The continued strong performance in the year reflecting a different product and customer mix. In the telematics segment, gross margin for the fourth quarter was a strong 70%, the same as in the third quarter of this fiscal year, and up from 65% in Q4 fiscal 2019. Turning to fourth quarter operating expenses, the notable changes year over year were as follows. R&D expenses increased to 6.9 million, from 5 million in Q4 fiscal 2019, mainly as a result of higher amortization of our deferred development costs, as a result of provincial investment tax credits expiring, and as our new products became commercially available. Sales and marketing expenses decreased to 3.2 million from 3.6 million last year, primarily due to lower finished goods inventory allowances partially offset by higher staffing costs in the current period. And GNA expenses slightly decreased to 4.1 million from 4.3 million in Q4 of last year. 
The year-over-year decrease reflects reduced staffing costs in the video and broadband solution segment, partially offset by the addition of content agent expenses. In total, operating expenses for the fourth quarter decreased to $13.8 million from $14.4 million in the same period last year. The $0.6 million decrease primarily reflects a reduction in costs in the video and broadband solutions segment, partially offset by higher operating costs in the content delivery and storage segment. R&D expense in a period is typically different than the actual expenditure. That's because certain R&D expenditures are deferred until product commercialization. Adjusting for deferrals, amortization of deferred development costs, and income tax credits, actual R&D investment for Q4 increased to 6.8 million, or 28, 26% of sales. That was up from 6.2 million, or 30% of sales in the same period last year. The year-over-year change primarily reflects higher staffing costs and higher prototyping costs as our next-generation product families move closer to commercial development and deployment. Turning to our bottom line results, operating loss improved significantly to 1 million in Q4 fiscal 20 from an operating loss of 4.3 million in Q4 fiscal 2019. Driven by a $2.1 million decrease in loss from video and broadband solution segment, a $1 million increase in contribution from the content delivery and storage segment, and a $0.2 million increase in contribution from the telematics segment year over year. Adjusted EBITDA increased to $3.8 million in Q4 from $0.3 million in the prior year quarter, but down from last quarter's strong $5.6 million. And net loss for the fourth quarter improved to $1 million or $0.05 per share from a loss of $3 million or $0.13 per share last year. Overall, it was a very solid quarter, both on the top and bottom lines. Turning to our balance sheet, we ended Q4 with $34.5 million cash and short-term investments. Working capital was slightly lower at $55.3 million as compared to $58.3 million at the end of fiscal 2019. Finally, cash flow from operations for Q4 was $2.5 million from $2.8 million in the same period last year. Subsequent to year-end, on August 7, 2020, we completed the purchase of the DOCSIS DAA and EPON DPOE cable access technology portfolios from Nokia for U.S. dollars $4.8 million. The purchase price included inventory, property plant and equipment, and intangible assets, as well as the Nokia employees that supported these products. So just to summarize, another strong quarter despite the uncertainty and challenges due to COVID-19. With a strong balance sheet, including cash of $34.5 million and working capital of $55.3 million, FESIMA is well-positioned for continued growth over the long term. Now back to Sumit. Thank you, Dale. We're very excited about all that FESIMA achieved in both the fourth quarter and fiscal 2020. Moving into the new fiscal year, we're going to build on all this momentum. The industry's overall plan to move to DAA and IPTV together with the current and expected to sustain climate 
of unprecedented consumer demand on networks is translating into many opportunities for our strategic product offerings. In our video and broadband solutions segment, we expect accelerating results from our next generation Entra DAA products in fiscal 2021, particularly in the second half. We're expecting our lead customers, including our large lead, lead tier one MSO customer, will transition to scale deployment. We're also working with a broader set of MSOs who are moving through trials and expected to begin moving into the field with deployments this next year. We'll also be leveraging our newly acquired DAA and EPON products from the Nokia acquisition. In the first 12 months of integrating and operating the assets, our plan is to produce an incremental 10 to 15% in sales relative to our FY20 top line and translating to a neutral EBITDA result after expenses. Combined with organic sales growth, we see an overall significant ramp up in Entra sales in fiscal 2021. Once again, our list of engagements is broad, spanning multiple tiers, multiple geographies, and we have an all-encompassing suite of Entra products that are designed to make DAA a reality. In our Terrace family of products, we anticipate continued demand for the current generation Terrace Qualm, making way for long-term migration to next-generation Terrace IQ in lockstep with the overall network transition, which will ultimately happen to IPTV. Looking at our content delivery and storage segment, we continue to see a lot of opportunity ahead in the IPTV market with the industry early in this evolution. I'm pleased to report we've already added two new customers in Q1. Overall, we expect continued growth in fiscal 2021, somewhat lower than the record growth we saw in the CDS segment in 2020. We grew the CDS segment very quickly this past year, and there will be need to consolidate some of that new business in the months ahead. But we're moving into the year with that large tier one agreement in APAC driving results, and we'll continue on our successful trend of converting new customers as they transition to IP video. We're firmly an industry leader in this space, and we intend to remain so. In our telematics business, we expect consistent incremental growth from the fleet tracking market, and we anticipate increasing demand for our newer movable asset tracking services. Overall, we're planning a very strong fiscal 2021 for Vespa, as our multi-year investment, technology, and strategic acquisition strategy bears more and more fruit. My one caveat would be that the COVID-19 pandemic remains, and has the capacity to present unknowns in terms of investment timeframes, supply chains, and the pace of customer network evolution. But to date, we've managed very well, and we have the benefit of operating in an industry where our products and services and the industry's outputs are deemed essential and where demand is growing swiftly. Going forward, I believe Vestum is extremely well positioned for the future, and I'm very excited and eager to set off on what we'll accomplish in fiscal 2021. That concludes our formal comments for today. We'd now be happy to take questions. Operator? We will now begin the question and answer session for analysts and institutional investors. To join the question queue, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star, then two. We will pause for a moment as callers join the queue.
Our first question comes from David Kwan with PI Financial. Please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, David. Morning, nice David. Quarter nice quarter there. Good to see. Thank um, you. Uh, wondering, uh, maybe starting off on the interest side of the business, um, you gave some uh, some color in terms of how you guys, I guess, see that revenue kind of wrapping up here. Um, so is it fair to say, I guess, you know, potentially a more significant um, increase expect in the second half of, of fiscal 21 with a steady ramp from Q4 levels in, in the first half, or could we see a, a faster pace in the first half of the year? No, I think it's a, uh, you know, as you, as you um, caught from our comments there, it's a steady as she goes ramp that we, we see happening. You know, we have these 41 engagements and, and, uh, um, of course the lead tier one moving along and, uh, you know the, the the operator budgets tend to flow in calendar year cycles, so um, that'll be important for us for for looking at calendar year 2021. Um, so you know growth growth along the way um, from where we were in Q4, and uh, certainly a little bit of back end loading in, in the second half. Um, you know thinking about the lead tier one, thinking about other customers layering on, thinking about uh, customers uh, that are are moving forward on 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 the MacFi and Pond side as well. Okay, that's that's helpful. I guess, and how much visibility do you have in, into that revenue trajectory? Um, we have improving visibility. Um, you know, I've talked a lot about timing uncertainty, um, big infrastructure projects, truck rolls, field service training, um, qualification trials. We've we've been going through that with. A very large list of customers, as you can see, between uh, you know the organic and and, and acquired side. Um, so you know the predictability improves as as we get into more and more live deployments, um, and we're certainly getting improving data points on on the planning cycles as they formalize. Um, so it's 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 you know as we as we might expect when when a market um, starts to proceed, the the forecasting gets gets better. Can you talk about, I guess, so So it sounds at least that lead tier one MSO is live. I think there was a second tier one MSO that wasn't that far behind. Mm -hmm. um, so can you maybe talk about that second one when you expect that one to go live and maybe by the end of this year, how many um, operators you hope to have live and, and how many of those would be? I, I assume based on your prior commentary on, on the tier one pipeline, it's probably those two ones that would be potentially live by the end of this year. Yeah, I think um, certainly when you think about the you know pre-merger side, we have the lead tier one. The second one, I've talked about having some regionalization requirements. We're nearing completion of, of those requirements and uh, you know cascading towards the field trials and whatnot. Um, so we do think that they, they will have a, a movement in that direction within fiscal 2021. The second tier one, um, like I said, they are in a bit in behind the first one in terms of. Um, moving towards scale deployment, so you know it'll be a smaller component overall. And then, then likewise, you know across the entire engagement list, there are, um, you know, what I would say are, are multiple deployments in view across fiscal 2021. Um, I'm not going to break down between between tiers on that, so you can think of you know the two that we had talked about before and uh, across the suite of DEA products, RemoteFi, MacFi, Pond. Um, you know, uh, we're going to see, you know, several live deployments start to mature this year. 
And I guess within those the three technologies of remote phi, remote Mac phi, and, and EPON, how is that how is that mix? Um, is, is it split pretty equally, or is is there certain technologies like remote phi that uh, might have a greater greater scale? I think uh, you know, in keeping with the way the industry's gone with this, is that we have, and and that that speaks to you know the the development strategy investment followed up until now um, and continuing is that remote phi. Um, is perhaps a, a more incremental step than MacFi. MacFi contains more of the, the content of the technology for moving to DAA right within the node. Um, that's very powerful in terms of, of, of what it means in terms of the overall network evolution to DAA um, worldwide. Um, but you can you can think of you know remote Fi as potentially having a little bit of that earlier cadence. And and uh, you know the fiber of the home technology is, is certainly maturing. Um, as we speak, and 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 that's working well for how we see, uh, you know, that the Entra Pawn family moving this year. Um, you know, we're 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 anticipating a little bit uh, earlier in terms of of revenue mix of of Pawn relative to MacFi within the first 12 months here. Okay, and and I think you talked about uh, I guess 41 operators that you're engaged with. Um, including 27, I think that are lab or field trials or live deployments. Was that is that inclusive of the gain speed uh, acquisition, or is that? It is okay. <laughs> Can you say how much of that came from? from I'm the not going to say that, except uh, you know what I will offer is that uh, that that list that we had last had organically of 19 also grew significantly. Um, and, and we got to the 41 true by by adding the Nokia engagements. There were, of course, overlaps. That's natural. Um, but uh, you know, the, the list was growing quite significantly, and then and then we accelerated it yet again um, with acquisition. Can you say? I think you talked. Well, you talked about six tier ones. How many do you have right now? Yeah, that's well, one of those ones that uh, again I'm not going to uh, break out at this point. What I would say is that uh, you know we're not crystallizing now, but uh, I'll offer at this point that of course it's now higher than six. Um, you know, and we'll provide more color as we can through the course of 21 here. Okay, I thought I'd try with some of these questions. <laughs> um, uh, I guess as it relates to. Um, the Terrace IQ, it sounds like you're making some good progress there and, and should probably benefit from um, the transition away from, from Terrace and Terrace Qualm. Can you talk about how we can think about that uh, business wrapping up? Yeah, so Terrace IQ is continuing along that, um, you know, pre-deployment phase where we're working with customers, defining requirements, we, you know, we're, we're uh, you know, in multiple phases of development of that that platform, and and you know, anticipate some contribution within fiscal 2021. 20, and then, of course, we have that, um, as we've talked about, perspective of of you know these full 25,000 hospitality properties that we've secured on the legacy Terrace and Terrace Quam platforms, um, being you know subject to to upgrade to Terrace IQ in the long term. Um, as the, the the networks themselves from these operators transition to IPTV migration, so you know we're seeing contribution from Terrace IQ. So overall, for a family, there's 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 a, you know the super you superimpose these these moving parts um, where you know we've done so well with the the Terrace family and you know going network wide, doing MPEG4 densification, 
um, you know, led by these these big three tier ones domestically that have driven that across those 25,000 properties. Um, we're seeing that uh, you know one of those tier ones we would really complete on on their MPEG-4 densification, and and another one that still has it out ahead of them, but it's you know it's maturing slowly, and and you know that'll be dictated by the, their needs for network capacity when they move on that. So a little bit more tapering in the Terrace family. Meanwhile, at the lead tier one, uh, you know Terrace Qualm is has really kind of come back into the fold strong. And, and you've seen that in recent quarters, and, and we anticipate that going forward as well with that, that lead US MSO, that lead tier one. Um, and they, of course, have tier IQ well on the roadmap as well. But we still think, you know, it's a terrorist qualm story this year, and, uh, you know, we'll get terrorist IQ potentially flowing in other customers and, and make our way, uh, you know, as we're, as we're in the later part of the year to looking at IQ. Well, that, that's that's great color. So I guess on the on the terrace quan, could it be something where, um, you know, where you know in fiscal nineteen we saw the revenues have there and, and saw a nice rebound this year. For yeah. for for fiscal twenty one, like something flat this year, is that kind of what you might be expecting? We're actually looking, you know, with what we've been able to do, and and, and it's a bit of that cycle where you know the hospitality demand is continuing, the platforms in force and. And it's, it's almost the, the a last act scenario, if you will, before Terrace IQ. Um, so so TQ is is actually showing a fair amount of strength this year um, in, in that last act, and uh, you know we're seeing potential for growth. So you know we're thinking it's this three and a half four million a quarter levels could maintain on an average for the year. No, that's great. Uh, that's some good color. Um, Maybe moving on uh, to the, the Nokia gain speed uh, acquisition, um, quite mm -hmm. pleasantly surprised at uh, what the purchase price was. Um, mm -hmm. So that looks like a, a great deal for you guys. Um, two things in particular. First off, can you talk about kind of feedback you guys have received from from their customers today? Yeah, we've been engaging the customers, and and you know, you know, as we talked about when we first announced the, the deal that uh, we believe the industry and, and of course at that point we had some very specific inputs from customers as well um, would look highly favorably on this consolidation and having a, a you know a, a DA focused cable focused vendor um, with with the all encompassing suite of platforms and that's kind of the, the the feedback we're getting you know we've we've got this this wide scope of of, of, of Products that can tap into any architectural decisions um, that 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 a set of operators may have, and that's you know very attractive to them. Um, you know, allowing them to to migrate, allowing them to even cherry pick you know their access network on on a regional or even um, you know city or, or neighborhood basis um, for that matter. Um, you know, all kind of under the umbrella of the the enter access controller, which orchestrates all of this. So, so that kind of thesis that we built with this consolidation by this combination um, is resonating, you know, quite nicely for us, and that's in keeping with, with uh, you know, us showing that we're we're building this engagement list very rapidly at this point. Oh, that's great. Um, and can you say like how much inventory you guys and working capital you guys got with the acquisition? I'm not gonna. That today, and and we'll we'll have our you know purchase price allocation going forward. Uh, Dale, I think uh, that may come out in Q1. 
Um, yeah, we're still working on, uh, you know, inventory valuation, um, other um, items, um, David. So we're just not prepared yet until we uh, finalize that valuation of the purchase price to uh, to disclose that today. What I will okay. say is that uh, there's certainly a strong component of inventory there, um, and uh, we're we're excited about uh, moving that into the market in these first 12 months. Okay, great. Um, and then just maybe just on the content uh, delivery and storage business. Um, so obviously you had a great, great year this year, a 30% growth. Um, sounds like when you're talking about it, that, you know, that growth isn't likely to be sustained um, for fiscal 21 here. Can you give any better color as to kind of what your expectations are? Like, do you, could it grow in the double digits, I guess? Yeah. So let's uh, kind of work through that a little bit. So, Again, you know, highlighting that the buying pattern in CDS is, is different than what uh, you maybe you know we've been accustomed to for for the VBS segment. So we're selling all of hardware, licenses, capacity, software features, you know, professional services and support. So there's this design win that leads to this long and productive deployment that builds up over time with the with the uptake and the capacity side of the equation. So. You know, we've done really great things out of the business, you know, with the execution in fiscal 20, um, pulling in those 13 new wins, you know, taking us to 34 IPTV deploying operators. Um, so, you know, lots of progress in fiscal 20. Um, you know, and there's this in inherent nature of these types of deployments is there that we're, there will be, um, you know, on each of these projects, a digestion phase where the, the initial capacity has to be, you know, taken up um, before, you know, the, the expansion starts to come in behind that. So, you know, for fiscal 20, it was all, you know, a conquering year with the new wins, um, you know, setting us up very nicely with the total amount of customers that have these these networks from, from Vesimo with Media Scale X. So we, we, we think we're in that digestion cycle. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, pretty natural considering what happened, happened in fiscal 20. So if I, if I, you know, take us back when we, we entered fiscal 20, we were looking for 20% growth, um, or, or to, to breach, breach 20% growth, we hit 32. So when I think about fiscal 21, um, you know, if I was to take the average of, of, of 20 and what we see in 21, it's going to come right back to that average 20% year-over-year growth for both of those years. Um, so that's how we're looking at it. Okay, well, that's, that's helpful. Um, and I saw that the revenue jumped in Japan this quarter. Was that due to that large contract win, the $12 million contract win, just starting some of that work in Q4? Um, yeah, on a regional basis, that's that's good sleuthing on your part. I, you know, we uh, the twelve million dollar deal is an Asia Pacific deal. Um, that's that's as much as we've said about specific region on that. Um, you know, very very strong, and it's part of the some of the data points I offered on our international growth. Um, and uh, you know, moving forward in fiscal twenty one with that that deal. Um, you know, launched is, is very powerful. In fact, we took we took revenue in the fourth quarter on that as well. Um, so, you know, uh, not going to tie it directly, um, but uh, I think, uh, you know, you can see what we've reported there. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah. just, just a couple more. Um, just on sure. the R&D, that jumped up this, uh, this quarter here. 
Um, I think you kind of talked about some, you know, prototyping and, and some other work. How much of that was relate, or how much of that was kind of more one-time in nature? Yeah, so the jump in R&D, are you talking the cash R&D piece or the expense, um, David, sorry? Uh, the the expense side. Yeah, so on the expense side, um, we had a one-time uh, $1.3 million um, provincial investment tax credit uh, that had expired and uh, we weren't able to utilize. So uh, because that was part of what we had capitalized back in the day, we had to uh, um, adjust for that through amortization. So um, that's a one-time $1.3 million um, amortization hit. Okay, perfect. Thanks, Dale. Um, and just quickly in the balance sheet, um, the receive receivables have been uh, elevated over the last couple of quarters here. Um, I'm suspecting some of that is probably at least COVID-related. Um, when do you expect the DSOs to, to come back down, and do you think do you have any kind of credit uh, concerns? No, we don't. Um, actually, we don't have too much uh, COVID uh, issues. We have a few. We've been working through them and have almost cleared those all up. But uh, um, and we're just being very careful uh, um, as we sell uh, into certain markets um, that uh, you know that we're comfortable that we're not going to have a COVID-related issue. Um, a lot of that receivable. Um, is timing of, uh, you know, back-end loading of the sales in the quarter, um, David. So we don't have any concerns with any of that receivable. Okay, perfect. And last question, just on the inventories. Um, you know, should we expect them to, you know, it, it jumped up a bit this quarter. Expect Should we expect them to be, you know, continue to, to move up here as, as intra ramps in particular um, and, and to a certain extent that you might want to carry a bit more inventory um, heading into the fall and winter here if we see some potential issues in terms of the supply chain uh, mm -hmm. if the COVID uh, outbreak gets worse? Yeah, so we did have a bit of jump up related to uh, just being careful with COVID. Um, we have been building up our inventory as, uh, um, you know, we had some long lead times on Entra and, you know, it uh, we based on forecasts earlier and the slowness that we saw we definitely have um entry inventory there that we'll be able to draw down on as in the first two quarters of uh of uh 2021 so uh, we're not expecting uh, a ramp up of inventory uh, we're actually looking to uh, utilize some of this long lead time inventory that's uh sitting on our books right now okay that's great thanks guys thanks david Thanks, David. Once again, analysts and institutional investors who wish who wish to ask a question should press star and one on their touchtone phone. We'll pause for a moment while any additional callers join the queue. As there appear to be no further questions, this concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating and have a pleasant day.
Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep. Thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.